Hello and welcome again to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm your host, Moed Amin. The goal for the show is to give you cutting edge principles and tactics, tools, strategies to improve your persuasion skills. And we often invite people who are some of the most experienced and also well-versed and researched in the field of persuasion and sales as a profession. Uh, so today's guest is a marketing professional um, who has uh, kind of helps B2B companies uh, give their prospects a better buying experience. She's held various directorship roles, including chief of staff, and she's currently the head of growth and operations for Novatic. Now, Novatic uh, help companies create interactive product demos that they use to improve the buying experience. Now, on this show, we're going to be talking, well, this episode, sorry, we're going to be talking about a few things ranging from how you can actually use uh, interactive product demos on your website uh, to pre-qualify prospects, how you can increase your conversion rates, and also how you can shorten your sales cycle by taking a buyer-led approach. These are all things that I believe highly in and are very, very important for sales professionals, in, particularly in these kind of recession times. So please help me welcome Natalie Marco Tulio. Natalie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to discuss the topics that we have planned today because these are all things that are incredibly important uh, to the sales profession and to business in general. But I think very few companies take that kind of approach. So I probably start with the big question then for you, which is: Do you believe that B two B companies generally? take a buyer first approach when it comes to their go-to-market strategy? Not shockingly, uh, no. I, I don't believe most companies right now are doing it. And I don't think it's any individual's fault. I think it's what's been best practices and sort of out there in the world for so many years. And that's actually data. And look, I have, as you mentioned, I have an operations background, a chief of staff background. I love data. So I'm not saying we shouldn't be collecting it, but we've been so obsessed with fitting prospects into our funnel so that we can measure them, see exactly when they take a certain step, see where they come from, that we don't think about it all, like how the prospects wants to buy or the funnel that they want to go through. All we think about is how can we neatly fit them into our systems. But why is that so surprising? Because it's not as if there's a lack of information about at least a framework for understanding the buyer's journey or a typical buyer's journey there's a huge amount of information uh, and, and, and data and research that, that prove if we can align with the buyer's journey, then we actually have a better success rate. And, and so I'm not saying it's easy, but at least the concept is there. But my observation is that companies don't even try. Do you feel that's because it's too hard or it's too big a leap? Or do you feel there's another reason why? I think the main reason is just it goes a little bit against the status quo of what we've been doing. It's always just easier to follow old best practices. For example, with discovery and BANT. I think it was, I can't remember exactly who said this, but that was originally invented maybe 20 years ago by IBM when they had, you know, hundreds of thousands of prospects coming in. But just because that got pushed in the zeitgeist that this is the best practice, this is what we should be doing. It's much easier to kind of take an old framework and apply. I think we've just been applying these old methodologies and, and not thinking about the current buyer experience. At some point, that might have been a fine buyer experience, but we're not thinking about in today's age when prospects have more access to 
information online, when they're used to B2C buying, when they have communities and groups and Slack groups that they can reach out to. I don't think we realize how we're not, we're not adapting old methods to new buying experiences. So how would, um, how should companies or, or individuals start to take a buyer-led approach? You know, what, is, there an, is there an anatomy of a buyer-led approach that you would recommend? I think the very first step is first figure out how your approach is. You know, it might actually be pretty buyer friendly. And I think the easiest way to do that is watch some of your sales calls. Watch the discovery calls, watch BDR calls, whatever you have access to or listen to them. Because if a prospect ends that call saying, you know, that was a really great call. I appreciate your time today. You know, that that was very helpful and useful. Like you can kind of see on their face that they've had a positive experience. Versus you can very clearly see on their face when they're annoyed, when they're frustrated, when they feel like their time's being wasted. And that's sort of the first step to determine, okay, generally is this prospect having a good or negative experience? Granted, there's always some, like watch a few, there are always some edge cases, but I think that's how, at least for us, we can determine, okay, is something working or not? Are we getting positive feedback? What you described there is more... Um results-based right if we see those results then we're most likely having a buyer-led experience so how how should companies what are some of the easy ways that companies or even sales professionals can start to consider and plan and use a buyer-led approach are there some kind of core three to five things that any that you, you should always look at and those things will be 80 percent of the way there i think the core to a buyer-led approach is really just I know I mentioned before listening to prospects, but hearing the things that they continuously ask for, right? On In the first call, they're constantly asking for information about this feature or if they wanna know earlier, like what's it like to use your pro product? Just listen to those calls and then start acting, put it, pulling those things like earlier in the journey. Um, so it's not necessarily like a, a framework to say like, here's how to become buyer led because it really depends on your prospect and on their experience. But the number one thing is just start listening to them, see where they seem frustrated, see what information that's constantly coming up over and over again. For us, for example, we have a little form right before that's asking like, how did you hear about us? How do you want to get involved? And we had a lot of people who said, you know, I just want to get hands on. So we're, we're thinking about self-serve, but in the meantime, we started a free demo build. So basically if you want immediately just to see what it looks like on your product, an interactive demo. You don't want to talk to someone first. You can just submit a form online and we'll send you one of those. So just think of ways where customers keep asking for things and how can you put that earlier on the website, on the research, so they don't have to wait till the very end of the buying process to see it. You talked about, um, you know, listening to what the buyer is asking for. Uh, what else? What else are some of the things that are easy or at least straightforward enough that you can actually approach it? And, and improve uh, a buy-led approach? As I mentioned, like listening, but also putting it on your website, put it on G2, put it on places where they're doing their research and also be part of those communities. I think one thing we don't think about enough is not only how can we get the information out there, but you know, be part of the conversation itself, maybe tap customers or prospects to comment on it. There's so much you know, research that buyers are doing outside of just your website so how can you put out that information not just like on your website if they're asking for it make sure that messaging is throughout their buying experience so it's interesting because you talked you talked about websites there 
and I know you have strong opinions on this because of the work you're doing at Novatic. So um, a lot of people state that, you know, website is in some ways useless. Uh, I, I may not share this opinion, but I'm, you know, just stating what they what they've shared. And and they may talk about other things like landing pages or or, or form form creators and, and things like that. How are you observing companies use their website when it comes to client acquisition? You know, what are the things that companies are doing well? And what are the things that you're seeing companies are not doing so well that any of our listeners and viewers should avoid? I think a really good website should almost replace that first need for a high level overview demo. So that that website should qualify prospects for yourself. And that's what we're seeing our top customers doing. One of the ways is through interactive product demos, and I'll touch on that in a bit. But the best website should have enough product information, should be so clear about who you're selling to, that if you're a prospect, you should go to the website and say, oh, this is a fit for me or not. And that is how you have also a better buying experience, because when you jump into that first call, there's no need to do that high-level overview demo where you feel like you're just getting walked through a very generic sales pitch. Instead, you can really dive right into the personalization, into the discovery, figuring out what exactly they want to see. So I'd argue websites are incredibly helpful if done right because it can, it can help cut your sales cycle if you don't need to do those high-level overviews. That is interesting. Let's talk about the interactive product demos because I think some people have a, a, an idea of what that is. Can you clarify for us, what, what is an interactive product demo? I always call it a try-before-you-buy experience for software. So basically just what that means is it, it kind of clones your entire application and then you can create a walkthrough, click-through path so prospects can understand what it's like to use your product from a website or from a link rather than having to sign in or talk to a salesperson. They get that immediate hands-on access. And it's not meant to replicate a free trial or replicate your entire experience entirely. It's kind of just like a sneak peek or a little taste to give the prospect of what it's like to use your product. And so there's a lot of technicality in there, which we probably won't have time to go through. My next question would be then, if, you, if you're looking at an interactive product demo, should, should that be just straight away? Should, be, should you be asking for someone's email address before they can get access to this? Um, you know, is that, at a, you know, do you only direct them to the product demo at a specific stage in their buyer's journey, or, or do you just leave it open for them? I'm trying to understand how would you, how would you inject that to make it a, a, a clean buying experience, or at least a, a clean prospecting experience? As far as the form versus not form, generally we advise it depends on your goal. However, we are seeing recent data that some of our top performing demos are all engated. And I think, again, it really depends on what you're looking to do. If you're looking to create a very seamless buyer experience where they can fully educate them themselves about the product before having to give their information or having to hop on a call, then we would recommend ungating it. So in that case, you can put it on your landing page, on your website. Most of our customers do put it somewhere directly on their home page. And it's just a way for customers to start diving in Maybe put it on your product pages. So replace something like a video or a static image. They can actually feel what it's like to use it rather than just see a screenshot if they're not sure if it's out of date or not. And so this, this area of pre-qualifying and using those demos to pre-qualify, I get the concept that obviously if someone watches the demo and they're interested, then you kind of pre-qualified them at that stage. But 
are there ways to quantify them as they're going through the demo? So for example, based upon the, the options that they select, or you might have a pop-up box that asks them, you know, what did they find interesting about this? I, I'm really curious to see if there's any uh, intent or, or slightly deeper level of insights that you can gather from the buyer before you actually have a conversation with them. I think that would be the benefit of gating it. So if you do gate it, then you can see and connect it with your CRM and see, you know, how far did someone make it into this demo? What features, because we have a checklist functionality. So for example, you can show different features or use cases. So you can see exactly what features someone dove into, what they were most interested in and where they spent the most time. I think exactly to your point, that's how you could qualify them even further. So before you jump into a call, you could say, oh, I saw someone viewed this demo around this feature or this demo around this use case. Obviously, that's what they care about. I should tailor my actual live demo to those features rather than covering this feature. And it's interesting because you talked about high level demo and the, the kind of general demo, but there's a lot of talk around giving uh, buyers as much information as possible. So for example, pricing becomes a, is a hot topic. You know, in the SaaS world, it's quite easy to see pricing for specific types of services. Um, and some buyers I've noticed will become hesitant if they can't see pricing or seem, or at least an indication of pricing. It's not a comprehensive insight. It's just, um, anecdotal uh, information that I'm seeing. What's your data telling you about the, the the type of informational functionality that buyers would like to see at that early stage? Do some of them like to see pricing or an indication of pricing? I guess, I guess my question is really centered around what should our listeners and viewers make sure that they include within any interactive demo if they decide to go down that route? For the interactive demo itself, I think the most important things to include are the top features that customers generally are asking for or the sort of aha moments. If you have a free trial or freemium, kind of mapping out like what are those events or features that if someone does, they'll be successful. Because it's not about showing them everything and you can give them options to either keep exploring or to drive right into a demo. Like you can give them options what they want to view. But as I mentioned, it is more about giving the basics so they understand, but you also want to be careful not to overwhelm them. I think that's when you just get into a free trial or a freemium experience where you're just dropped into this big platform that's kind of empty. You don't really have any data in it. That's when users can often get overwhelmed and actually just bounce because they're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. So obviously you want to give enough information up front, you know, highlight those top stories, features, but don't feel like you have to create like replicate a 30 minute demo with these? I know, I, I think I know the answer from at least my understanding of neuroscience. I'm really keen to hear from you, Natalie. Because um, a natural question would be, why an interactive demo? Why why wouldn't a, uh, you know, the classical kind of videos that you see in websites that talk about the product uh, and, and kind of almost give a, a marketing led demo of the product? Why wouldn't that be su sufficient? What What's... What added value does an interactive demo give versus the versus one of those standard videos? I would think about the last time you went to a video or homepage or whatever and saw one of those. And at least in my world, I always have two screens going, two monitors, and I'll start playing one-on-one -on -one monitor, and then suddenly I'll get a Slack, and then suddenly I'll get an email. And then suddenly I realize I did not listen to one second of that video. It was five minutes. I got bored. I went over to my Slack instead. I think the psychology of the interactive demo is that it's something you can actually touch and play with and you need to focus to make it to the next step. 
you kind of can't passively tune it out like you can a video. I think there's also a little bit of ownership control. Like I get to decide what the next step, I get to decide what features I'm interested in. And by making it, that's why we do recommend not giving everything away at once. Because when you get a little taste, suddenly like, oh, I want to see the whole thing. I want to play around with it more. It gets you a little excited versus those five minute video overviews. I think oftentimes you're just left like, okay, I get an idea of it. I saw some really nice screenshots, but is that actually the product itself? So I'm, I'm curious then, what kind of questions do your customers ask you when they first, when you kind of first go that, down that journey of interactive product? Um, you know, what are, because for example, when I, I spoke to someone about this a while ago, and uh, this probably says something about his mindset, but but he, he immediately his he immediately went to the risk mode and said, "Well, if I put that up for on the website for everyone to see, then my competitors can get a much better access to what we have, um, rather than being able to gate it through qualifying questions over a phone call, etc., to make sure that there isn't any funny business." Now, maybe he has a limiting mindset there, but. I'm just wondering at the types of, uh, you know, hesitations or questions that that you see, you've seen your clients ask you uh, when they first kind of go down this journey with you. It's funny when I first started about a year and a half ago, I heard that question so much more. I heard a lot of our prospects asking, you know, what if our competitors can see it? What if, you know, we? What if suddenly people don't want to join a sales call because they already got a taste of it? And I get that question or hear that a lot less now. And I think it's because of this big PLG movement, right? We've gotten much more comfortable with leading with our product. We see the top companies are leading with their product. And I think a little, all of us kind of know your competitors already know. Think about yourself, what you know about your competitors. Think about how you've already been able to see demos of them or understand what features they're coming out with. Like the competitive intel is out there. And I, I just personally believe as a business move, it is always better to prioritize your customers and prospects than to prioritize competitive intel. And also, if you're really worried about something, that's again, where maybe that's just not the feature you show on this demo. And have you, have you had any other questions? What, what are kind of other typical questions that you get from, from companies that consider, you know, consider doing these interactive demos? I think the biggest things they're looking for is one, how similar to my product is it? Like what's the actual experience like? Obviously they love their product and their UI. They want to make sure it's, almost as exact replica as possible. And that's why we do the, basically it's like HTML, CSS captures to make sure it does replicate the look and feel of it. But do the biggest thing we get asked about is timing. How long will it take me to build one of these? Can my team build it out? We work with a lot of growth professionals and I work in growth myself. I think one thing we're so used to is fighting over engineering hours. So a lot of times you hear about these great ideas or projects and you're like, okay, that sounds awesome, but okay, now I need to go enlist a month of engineering work to get this done. So that's why a lot of our customers are really focused on the fact that it is no code. Can they really do it themselves? Does it actually take you know, a few days to set up? That's some of the biggest questions you get. It's less around, there's less concern now about people seeing product. It's more concerns now around, okay, this sounds cool. How long is this project gonna take? I think we've all been burned by hearing about some cool software that then takes months to implement. And you mentioned something earlier, uh, PLG or product-led growth. Now for, for hardcore sales professionals out there, um, that sounds too close like being an order taker. 
and and I think a lot of them, a lot of us shy away from you know leading with the product because what we should be leading with is the buyer and their outcomes and, and creating a solution and almost morphing how we describe the product to fit with that language um talk to me about where you've seen product-led growth work uh, and why it works so well and and if possible where it doesn't conflict or maybe it does but i'll be really curious to hear your thoughts about how that merges with you know the sales approach and and the sales team companies who are doing plg right should i think should think of it not as replacing part of the buyer journey because i do think a lot of companies do think about it there it just should be additional data so rather than feeling like that first call you're going in entirely blind if they did a free trial already similar to what i was talking about with an interactive product demo you know what features are they're interested in you know what their pain points are a little bit you know why they're exploring your product so that first call actually it should be the opposite if again if done correctly of an order taker because you should have more information about them you should be able to deep dive fully into what they're looking for and kind of go into the specifics rather than that high level overview that being said, I think where it's done wrong is when less of an order taker, but more of a support rep. And I've seen this before, where if you don't have a very intuitive free trial freemium motion, suddenly your sales team is just the support team. Because everyone that you get on the phone with is just asking, well, how do I import my information or how do I do this thing? So that's why it's super important to have a very seamless sign up experience, have a very easy onboarding trial process. And that's part of the reason we have some customers adopt interactive demos because they're finding their product is just too complex for a free trial or freemium. And they either want to give some information before the free trial or they want to replace it altogether. So I'm I'm curious then, what types of products do you see interactive demos working well? Um, you know, is there a type of complexity? So for example, what, my initial instinct was thinking, you know, particularly those businesses where they have pretty complex products uh, that are quite embedded within the systems of their clients. You know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars rather than tens of thousands. And it's quite difficult. Sometimes those buyers would love to get a taster of that product, even though it's quite complex, just to understand what they're getting into um, versus maybe a, uh, you know, a, a less complex product that actually you can see online, you can see the pricing and everything's quite transparent as it is. So I, I'm curious to hear from you. Have you seen any data around the types of products what, that lends really well to interactive product demos and and helping buyers kind of pre-qualify themselves before they go down the journey? I'd say it's actually somewhere in between those two you just described. So if it's something like Slack, right? If it's super simple, easy to set up, that could probably just be a free trial motion. You don't need an interactive product demo to show it. The user can do it on their own. On the flip side, if you have a really, really complex enterprise product, it can work for some parts of it, but you have to make sure you're very conscious about paring down the product and not showing everything. So our sweet spot is really that like growth series C to series E, let's say, companies that have product market fit, know that their product is in a good spot, right? Like you want to make sure you have good UI and UX before creating these and really are at a point where they're getting enough volume where they want to start giving some information before qualifying a little bit before. And I also think companies where there's a little bit of friction in the signup process if they want to do a free trial. So for example, FinTech, usually you have to enter in bank information, credit card information. Not everyone's super comfortable with doing that on a free trial 
or security. You might have to connect with really important applications or you might just not feel comfortable setting it all up. Or maybe even, we see this a lot too, the buyer might not be the admin. So if you're going to buy a product and you have to have admin access to everything to set up a free trial, you're just not gonna do that. So I think those products that do have some complexity to them are a little hard to show value just immediately out of the gate, like something like Slack, but are still, you know, in a good spot, still have a, aren't too complex and confusing where it overwhelms them. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious then, what, what numbers are we talking about here? Because um, you've shared with me prior, prior to the recording of the session that there were obviously having the right by led approach, you know, talking about things like, although it's not the only tool, but interactive product demos, et cetera, but having that by led approach actually has measurable outcomes that we're seeing. What are you seeing through your own data when it comes to, you know, things like shortening of sales cycle, conversion rates, things like that. Are there some clear numbers that you're seeing when it comes to a buy led approach? We're seeing on average around two to three X, three X in website conversion rates. So if you put this on your website, increase in either, whether it's a free trial or it's book a demo, we have both PLG and traditional sales led companies using it. And across the board, we generally see an increase of conversions. We've also, we're collecting a lot of data right now internally on how these interactive demos perform. And we see that for the CTAs within the demo themselves, because you can embed CTAs, about a 15% conversion rate for our highest performing demos. So I think about that compared to like an ad campaign I have where a 1% conversion rate is like an exciting day. Um, and that was really cool to see. Not only are people interacting with these interactive demos, but are converting directly off them. As far as the, the sales cycle, we have seen, as I mentioned before, you can really eliminate that high-level demo. So we've seen customers just cut their sales cycle in half because they aren't having to go through that. You know, think about how long it takes some time to schedule that first discovery call, schedule that first intro-level demo, then finally get into the detailed demo. And I'm not saying don't do discovery, but the point is... Automate as much of that as you can, and then dive into the things that you need to be face-to-face -to, -face to talk about on the call. Let me see if I've got this right. So two to three X in terms of uh, conversion rates, uh, and you said something like 15%, right? Conversion rate. Is that correct? Yeah. So two to three X on your entire website, because a lot of times customers will embed these on a landing page. And we've seen the entire website overall conversion, whether that CTA is signed, again, do a free trial or talk to sales. That's where we see the two to three X. And then within the actual demo itself, about 15% of anyone who goes to the demo ends up converting for our top performing demos. Those are pretty cool numbers, I have to say. And and my natural, and I'm always putting myself in, in, the, um, in the mind of a skeptical buyer. When they hear those kind of numbers, you know, I, 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 I would guess that some buyers or some people would be quite skeptical of that and say, well, that won't work in my industry. That that you know my industry is unique which we which we hear quite a lot and you talked about you have PL, companies that have a plg approach versus a traditional sales what about across industries i mean do you have a few select types of industries that this works well with or are you seeing this across the board as i mentioned i think the industries like fintech security martech sales tech like anything that is a bit more complex are the ones that tend to work the best. And generally, if you're a SaaS product, right? Like if your main thing to show is a software, that's what does best. But I always say, if you're skeptical about it, if you don't know, 
maybe test it. Like I'm in growth. I'm not going to promise you that it's hundred percent going to work for every industry, every landing page, every scenario, but might as well be worth if you have a product video, especially test it against that. We've seen customers have an hundred percent increase in free trial conversions when AB testing against a product video directly. So if you're, you're skeptical, it would be, you know, a two week long experiment. It's easy to just swap out because you, if you already have a video somewhere, and then you can see for yourself whether your audience engages with it. So that's really interesting because I, I've, I've not really thought of interactive product demos. I, I, I thought of interactive um, products themselves. And so there are some training programs, for example, where um, you can actually ask the, uh, the trainee, uh, you know, what path would you like to take and what did you get out of this, for example. But I, I never really considered it as a, as a product, as an interactive product demo. And so this is, and how long, how long have you been doing this for now? We've been around for about two and a half years. And I'd say the market as a whole has been around for about two and a half years. It's a very interesting space. You know, usually when you're doing a startup, it's you versus an incumbent or a big mm. old school player. But really a, a lot of us sort of had this idea around the same time and have come up together. So it's been really fascinating to watch. When I first started, almost no one knew what an interactive demo was to now going on LinkedIn and seeing customers talking about or people mentioning it or all the different ways it's popped up. It's, it's been definitely one of the fastest growing industries I've been part of. That's so interesting. And, and uh, so there's one question I want to circle back to Natalie, which is, I'm curious as to the profile of someone that would be open to, you know, clicking on an interactive demo. Um, because not not all tools um, in our go-to-market um, toolbox works for everyone. And, and there's usually, you know, when I speak to really smart marketers and salespeople, they're actually quite clear around, it's not just the psychographic, but but the character of the person as well. You know, a CMO, you know, not, not every CMO are the same, or a CRO or a CTO. There, there's some nuances in their characters that would make them more open to, you know, clicking on an interactive demo have you have you seen any and you may have not but but i'm curious to see understand have you seen any data around this you know what are the types of individuals that seem to be most open to doing that i can talk a little bit about this from our customers perspective we don't have that internal data but i was actually a customer of nevatic before joining and we've heard this from a few of our other customers it actually does tend to be a little more of that you mentioned like CMO higher level who are willing to interact with this interactive demo. And that's what I saw at my past company when we we swatched it, swept it, uh, swapped it out for a free trial. And we found like, you know, director levels, all that, they don't want to do a seven day free trial. They are busy enough. They don't want to have to set up software. So we found more higher level execs were willing to do a two minute interactive demo and we'll enter the sales cycle after versus set up that free trial. I mean, just think about it from your perspective, right? Like if you're ahead of sales, you don't necessarily have time or necessarily want to always start either jump right into the buying cycle or set up the software yourself. So I think it is for those people who are a little more, a little bit more self-learners, a little more curious, like to do things on their own. And I think we're just seeing that in general across the board with our buyers because of like the remote world, B2C. I think everyone's realizing that buying doesn't have to be the way it's been for forever in sales. They can have really seamless one-click experiences with B2C. 
And suddenly they want that in their B2B world. I can't tell you how many times connections I have might chat me over LinkedIn and say like, hey, can can I talk with you or answer these questions about Novatic or set me up with a member of your sales team? And we don't, we don't do the traditional BDR discovery process, but people have just clearly been so burned by that process that they want to do anything they can to avoid it. So I think we're getting back to a little bit, just like selling, like we're people again and everyone that that was kind of a long winded answer to answer your question. But I think everyone's getting a little more of a fan of let me do it myself. Let me research on myself. I don't want to spend the time, you know, in a five month long sales process or setting up a month long free trial. I, and, and so it's interesting you talk about almost that being burnt by that sales process. I mean, we, we saw it in, we saw it during COVID where buyers wanted a seller-free experience, but, but actually we're seeing companies themselves are finding ways to reduce the number of salespeople involved at all stages of the sales process, right? So they're trying to use technology and digital platforms to streamline that sales process. And, and this sounds like a neat way of doing that. Um, you talked about I, one question, you talked about time, uh, you know, senior executives don't have time to go through a seven day freemium trial, etc. How long do you reckon, and, and I'm sure this will be nuanced depending on the platform and the, and the product that you sell, but how long in general should these interactive demos be so that you kind of hit that sweet spot where it's just enough to give them an intro, but not long enough that, you know, kind of, you might lose their interest or attention. Our data has shown around 15 steps for that intro. So as you're first showing someone and each step is like, let's say a few seconds. So we really say, make it short. Like you should not be showing off your whole product, especially at the beginning. Give a super high level overview at the beginning, find your aha moments, highlight those, and then give them a chance to either keep going or book time directly with your team. And when they keep going, give them a chance to explore what they want to explore. Don't just, you know, keep, keep on with a long 40 minute demo. Let them choose which part of the feature or which part of the platform they want to see. Yeah. So we do yeah. recommend these are pretty short. It should take you about, a minute or two minutes to go through a demo. Yeah, that sounds that sounds in line with what I've heard about other video um, video tools. When you are first interacting with someone, they, they always say a minute or two minutes. And 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 if someone has you, because you talked earlier on about you know high level demo, general demo. Um, what if you have a product that works with different job titles, for example, or there are some different nuances in the product based upon the role? Do you recommend? that you start thinking about different interactive product demos or, or should it just be one high level product demo that may mention the different roles that you sell to or the different types of users, but really it's just the same product demo the whole time. We've seen customers approach this a few way. So one is sometimes they'll have at the very first step, they'll give you an option that says, are you this or this and choose your option. And then the demo will merge depending on what you choose. We've also seen a, an uptick of what we call demo libraries. And this was something customers started doing on their own. We didn't necessarily teach this, but it's, we're seeing more and more customers doing this where it's one landing page with maybe six to nine demo options. And you could split this up by use case, by persona, by features. And so you're saying upfront, hey prospect, you choose what you wanna explore. And on each demo, you get an option to keep going, explore others or go back. But I think that's been a really awesome way our customers have solved that problem. It's again, upfront, you choose which what you want to see rather than us assuming you want to see this. A thought has just occurred to me, Natalie, actually. Have you heard of instances where 
having a product demo on the website has actually informed product development or has given them, I would assume it's given them a lot more data around how people tend to use their products. But have you heard of instances where it's informed their, their product development or anything or anything in, in addition to the sales process? I was about to say, well, with that, the landing page with the demo library example, what's so cool about it is then you could see, yeah, what are the most important features? What are people most interested in? And maybe that's the area that we should be investing more product engineering time in. We haven't heard per se someone changing their product, but we have heard a lot customers wanting that data, wanting to feed that data into seeing what are people exploring, what features are most popular into their CRM so they can take that back to the sales and product team. I think it would take a little longer until it fully feeds product direction. But when I first heard about interactive demos, that was actually one of my first thoughts too. It's so interesting. I, and I've got to say this, this whole conversation has been eye-opening because there's a lot of talk out there in the traditional sales model about, um, you know, qualifying your buyer as early as possible. Uh, and especially in, you know, when there's a macroeconomic stresses, um, you know, your time is, is even more valuable. And there's a lot of guidance for salespeople around how do you quickly qualify whether where this person is on the buying journey so that you're spending your time and allocating your time in the right way. Because one of the biggest risks is um, you know, treating every lead or every prospect equally and uh, you're not qualifying them and you're investing a huge amount of time, resource and energy uh, only to find out later down the line that they they were never going to buy and you could have you could have identified that a lot earlier. So your product seems to be a very, very simple and self-serve, well, not simple, but a, de a, a better possibility way of doing so. So I thought this was really interesting. Um, there's a question I wanted to I want to ask you that I ask all our guests when they come on the show, uh, and which is what three books or or experts would you recommend that our our listeners uh, either read or follow? Uh, and these could be ones that you are a fan of, like a real fan of, uh, or it could be something that you've read recently that actually is pretty pertinent and you found and you found useful. What would you recommend? I'm going to go with experts because. I admittedly have not read a business book in a little while and tend, I sometimes, I, I like reading them to get perspective, but I can get frustrated by how prescriptive they can be. It's like, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. And think similar to what I was saying before, you never know if it's going to work for your industry or not. Test it, see if it works, but I don't love the definitiveness. So I personally get most of my information off LinkedIn these days, admittedly. Um, I'll share some experts that i love who also talk about this this idea of like a better buying experience um, one is andrew kaplan he is absolutely awesome when all things growth or how you get value to your users earlier on it is a little more growth marketing but i still think anyone can benefit from learning just like how do you give that better user experience how do you make sure your users your your prospects are getting value immediately um, another one who i love is Saad Khan, who's ex-business development at Dooley. And I mean, I think we can all say like Dooley has an amazing job at creating a brand, a buyer experience, just something like a brand that people want to interact with. And I think that's when you've created a great buying experience as well. Should have said this up top, but you know, you created a great buying experience and people want to interact with your brand and have a positive brand association, really. Uh, my last one I'll say also in the growth space is um, Brendan Hufford. 
he also again talks about like quick ways that you can drive growth, especially right now. He's been giving a lot of really great examples of how can you drive like quick experiments and things you can do when you might have less budget, when you might have less time, when you need to make a big last end of year impact. So those are some I've learned a lot from the three of them. I recommend checking them out. Yeah, those are great recommendations, Natalie. Thank you for sharing those. Um, how can our viewers and listeners learn more, well, get in contact with you and learn more about what you're doing in Novatic? Not surprisingly, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I try to post interesting information around whether growth strategies, buying journey, or interactive demos. And then if you're interested in learning more about Novatic, you can go to our website. We have an interactive demo of Novatic on our platform. It's very meta, an interactive demo of an interactive demo platform. Um, but you should get some more information there. So Natalie, uh, thank you very much for taking the time and joining us and, and, and kind of generously sharing your perspective. I thought this was really fascinating, particularly around the buyer-led approach, you know, why it's tough to, why, why some people are unable to or find it difficult to take that buyer-led approach. And we talked a lot around the interactive demos, which I found really, really fascinating. And I learned a ton. So thank you again for coming on the show. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, so this is so great. This is Murray Damon signing out. If any of our viewers and listeners would like to learn more around the neuroscience of sales and the process for that, or even if you'd like to learn, you know, what were the results from my 428 uh, interviews with B2B buyers across the last 15 years, you know, what turned them away versus turned them towards salespeople and their approach, uh, do contact me, uh, link in the show notes below. Until the next episode, Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and we'll see you on the next show.